This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Hello, I'm Jason Scott Montoya. I'm here with my friend, Benji Hollis. Benji, say hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. You have a nice backdrop in your backyard there. Yeah, um, real. It's real. Yeah, yeah, it's real. <laughs> it's not one of those Zoom Zoom backgrounds. Um, but I'm looking forward to today. Today we're going to talk about Louder Than Words by Andy Stanley. So we've got a book discussion for you, um, The Power of Uncompromised Living. Me and Benji, um, we both went through a leadership development group through our church, Gwinnett Church, Ford Gwinnett, uh, Jeff Henderson, part of Andy Stanley's church. So, um, so we read this book as part of that group, and we felt like discussing it um, for the public would be helpful because of the content is so relevant to the situation that, that we're all uh, facing. So we're going to dive into this. Any, any, any quick thoughts, uh, Benji, on, on, on it before uh, I read the back cover here? No, oh, it's, it's, it's a great book, and Andy Stanley's amazing, man. Um, <laughs> he's a, just such a great communicator. This yeah. book, book proves it, and it's, it's really relevant. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it till, to what we're going through today and just life in general. Yeah. So let me go ahead and read the back. So it says, The Secret to the Life with No Regrets. So there's an interesting contrast between the idea of character and regret. And, and that's sort of something that maybe we can uh, tease out a little bit. But here's the back of the, the cover. How important is your character? It determines everything about you, how much you will accomplish in life and whether you are worth knowing how you will respond to success and how you will weather the inevitable storms of life, which we're all now facing, which we're always there, but to your point, it's more prominent than ever. Yep. This is a book about uncompro- uncompromised living. It's about choosing every day to be a man or woman of integrity, a person whose actions speak louder than words. Best-selling author Andy Stanley challenges you to become what you were meant to be, a person whose commitment to doing the right thing, whatever the cost, will inspire others and change your world. So that is Louder Than Words by Andy Stanley. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. The introduction uh, of the book has an interesting story about Andy and his dad. Um, essentially, his dad gets involved in this church and um, becomes successful, I guess, to a degree, um, to the point where the, what was it, the board um, members um, felt like they were losing control of the church. So Charles Stanley was doing things and they couldn't, tell him what to do or not to do. <laughs> and so this escalated to the point where uh, I guess one of the deacons actually punched Charles Stanley in the oh. face. Wow. And um, instead of punching back, Charles um, didn't. And, and that's, uh, you know, that was an example that he set for his son as well as many others. And it also exposed the flawed character of this deacon that was ultimately trying to control so what, what are your thoughts on that, on that story there? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess that's some amazing character that Charles yeah. Stanley showed because I'm not sure if they <laughs> punched me. I know, um, I know we're supposed to turn the other cheek, but um, yeah, yeah that, that takes a lot of... Um, yeah, lot I actually, of it reminds me, yeah, I, um, when I was, I think I was in, in high school, I, we were in a classroom and this other kid, I think he was kind of messing around. He wasn't like trying to hurt me, but he actually, he punched me in the head and he hurt me. (laughs) And, um, and I was like, you know, one of my friends kind of stood up for me like, Hey, what do you do? You know, like you wanted to fight back. 
And, um, and the kid actually felt so bad about it. He wanted me to punch him back so he would feel better about the yeah. fact that he punched me, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that, that's incredible willpower by you. Facing <laughs> back then, you know, but it is funny because you see how not to handle a situation and how to do it, but you also see how emotion can come into your life really quickly mm -hmm. and make you do things that you don't want to do. And here's a man that was leading a church yeah. And, um, you know, suppose, I mean, I guess he was in the, in God's word all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yet once emotion shows up, um, and you lose focus and let emotion take over, um, it'll make you do things that you don't want to do. And then immediately look what happens. I'm sure he had some guilt and some shame. And then on the other side of it, you know, you have, um, Charles Stanley there that shows great willpower by not hitting back by, by staying focused and also yeah. on the son. And then, you know, you've got little Andy there at the time and it's, it's just incredible. His, his dad must've been a, a really, really big influence <laughs> on him, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess what's interesting too is, you know, this idea that our, we, we are, um, we can be very responsive or reactive because of our emotions mm -hmm. and to not be that because in, in a sense, it's almost biologically a default. Yep. But to not be, that means we have to sort of intentionally, mentally choose a different path that's different than what our emotions might say in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't just happen overnight. Um, yeah. That's the thing, right? I, I think once you've given your life to Christ and you're, you're supposed to be walking in your new self, the old self is still there. <laughs> yeah. And you may have these grand expectations of waking up the next day and that you're just going to be clean and pure and think yeah. differently but it's yeah, not did, like that. yeah did you ever see the original superman movie the, the yeah movie from the yeah. with yeah well so number th i think it was number three he ends up like going into this this garbage dump and he ends up somehow like his his uh his um his evil twin like somehow he gets cloned or something yeah. and he has to fight the evil version of himself and they're like beating oh. each other up and stuff uh, so that's kind of what I imagined when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's true, right? I mean, it just keeps pulling you back and um, you do. I, and I think when you're walking in the spirit, um, you can then refocus, you can refocus or maybe not lose focus, but yeah, you know, we're such emotional people. Um, and I know I've, my problems personally and in, in, in my life, the biggest trouble I've ever had is, is due to emotion, you yeah. know? And yeah, and I guess it, it almost seems like when when we make those this, we do something almost as a release, as opposed to trying to generate a, the result we want. Yep. Right. So we want something, but the action we're doing isn't actually taking us to that destination. It's actually taking us the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite way. You know. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go the wrong way in order. You have to make a bunch of right turns, man. Yeah. Get back to the or a bunch of left turns, which are harder to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Um, so I think, so I guess what, when you think about the situation we're in, it is very emotional and yeah. even politically charged and, mm. and certain things that weren't even political are now all of a sudden politically yep. charged. And so emo our emotion is just to attack each other and to respond to each other. Yep. as opposed to think intentionally. What is it that I, what, how do we navigate that here? Or what are your thoughts on terms of how that emotion translates to our current situation? here oh well i mean you got a lot of time right and mm -hmm. i think people are sitting at home and you got a lot of parents too i mean little children and yeah. 
you know, it's changed the dynamic of relationships and marriages because you may have somebody that's been married for 20, 25 years, but the husband's been getting up, going to work and maybe the wife too. And they've been spending, you know, during the week, you know, a few hours each day together as a family. Mm -hmm. Now they're at home spending all this time together. Um, And it can make you, hopefully it'll make, it'll make people look and be grateful for the time that they have. But I think it'll also will tweak your, it can tweak your nerves enough to where um, you just lose it. And then you find yourself doing things you don't want to do. You're probably binge watching Netflix, which I'm not nothing anybody. Um, Depending on what you're filling your mind and your brain up with, you know? um, Yeah. I don't know if you're not, if you're not focused, um, it can cause some problems for you emotionally. Yeah. And, and there is something to that idea that when we don't like, I think there are different, you know, people are falling into different groups. Some people are super busy. Some people are, have all this extra time, but when you have all this extra time and you're on, and we're not intentional about filling it, it gets filled for us. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yep. That's, you know, if, if you don't try to navigate your way through the world, it'll, it'll navigate you through it the way it wants to. Yeah. So in chapter one, he, he talks about this story. Uh, the, the chapter is called The Making of a Mountain. And he tells this story about, I guess it was this coal, coal mine. Yeah. And, um, and since 1870, for, I guess I don't, let's see, I don't know how many years, it was decades, this school yeah. was, this mine was just get, excavating all this, this debris and then they were building this mountain. <laughs> and eventually they put so much on it that when the rains came, the mountain of, sludge slid down the hill and overtook the school and killed everyone in the school so it makes this sort of parallel that that's often that's how our character works that however whatever we're contributing if it's if it's negative in this case um you know that's going to come back and, and haunt us in the future um it's like putting a bunch of money on a credit card and then eventually that comes due yep so he says a kind of and follow up to that story um you know, there in the midst of unjust treatment and seemingly undeserved pain, the true character of a man or woman is revealed. Pretenses peeled away, inherited, untested belief systems crumble. Religious and social correctness are jettisoned. What you see in such moments is what we were all along. <laughs> Our character is simply who we truly are when we shed all the things that we've put on. So it makes me think of the story of Adam and Eve, you know, they're they sin and then they cover themselves and they go hide in the forest, you know, often yep. we just, we just cover ourselves so that people don't see the true us because we're afraid of, of what that might mean if they see who we really are. Yeah. And first off, I want to apologize. There's a weed eater going around oh, the house I, back here. If you hear I don't it. hear it. So you're um, actually good. <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, you know, on that, I mean, I don't even know if we truly know who we are. <laughs> you know we're we're afraid of self-deceived even of ourselves yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, you know and i know we read a book a book about that earlier in, <laughs> in the year but sometimes we wear so many masks it's really hard to find out who who are we really yeah when you get down deep to it um hmm. but yeah I, listen i i know from from life experience um you know all the major problems that i've had in my life um, you know, it wasn't that I had problems. It was, I was the problem, you know, um, I created more, more heartache for myself than, um, 
than, than I think God intended for me to have. So the true us, we don't even know who the true us is, or maybe we don't want to know. <laughs> exactly. That's a hard thing, right? Um, I, I think it kind of depends. I mean, you know, one of the things I struggled with for so long was, you know, I, uh, Jesus, I think to the, to some, he, he talks about the, what are, what is the greatest commandment? Someone asked him and he says, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that as yourself was something that I struggled with for a while to, because I recognized just how sinful and how um, wretched I could be or that I was. And so that was a, there, there was a lack of even loving myself. Like how could God love me when I, when I lack love for myself? I can, I'm right there with you. And that was, has been the biggest problem for me as well. But, you know, when you think back, think back to it and what Jesus, God gave up for us, yeah. for ourselves, for us, then, yeah, you know. Um, well, and it's, it's such a powerful contrast to, and to, to see what we deserve and receive what the grace that we're given because it's so diametrically opposed and so um, backwards that it, it's, it's transformational. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can tell you right now, I don't deserve any of the blessings that I have. Yeah. If God gave us what we deserved, <laughs> I wouldn't be in good shape. Yeah. Just put it like that. Yeah. So on page 21, he, he goes on, he says, this book is about change. It's about a lifelong process of taking raw materials and molding, shaping, and refining them into a finished product. Yep. And in the, midst, in the midst of a crisis, that is when we are most malleable. That's when change is most opportune. And we can embrace that, lean into that um, as we go through this crisis, or we can resist it and hold on. Um, and like we can make it harder on ourselves than we have to, or we could sort of take the, take the, the better, the better path here. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's hard to take the better path. Right. I mean, it's, again, I, I just think, you know, emotion, human emotion takes over and um, you know, it's like, I can tell you there's so many layers to emotion too. And mm. it, it it's hard to, if we could just focus on one thing and they're, I think it would be easier. Um, I yeah. know just walking through what we've walked through in the past two years, if I could just walk through grief alone, it'd be so much easier. As what opposed you know, to, what do you just, mean? Well, I mean, you know, it's like layer upon layer. So, yeah. you know, you'll have grief, but then there is anxiety that pops up on things. Mm -hmm. And there may be a little bit of regret and then, you know, a little bit of a guilt and all these things just keep adding up and adding up and adding up. Um, and then you find yourself doing things that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, hmm. and that, that's a hard thing. And I, I think that's why, you know, it talks about Matthew six thirty three, And I think he talks about that in here, or that may be one of those other books, but just seeking God first, seeking, you know, seeking his kingdom first, man, and his righteousness. And, um, you know, there's something to be said about making sure that we just keep our eyes on Jesus and, <sighs> That it's it's hard to do unless you've been laying on the floor, bloodied mm -hmm. up, and you just know you can't do it by yeah. yourself because you get to the point to where um, if you have these victories and 
you know, your self-esteem starts to build and starts to build and you become puffed up and bloated. Um, you're not filled up with the spirit. And yeah. All bloatedness is air, right? Yeah. And it seems like that's when an audit is needed. That's yep. when a test is needed. <laughs> and, you know, that's good about giving you the test too. Yeah. And often we, we pray for something that we don't realize what it entails. And so in retrospect, we might go, maybe I shouldn't have prayed for that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's been my experience. Oh man, let me tell you. Um, I, there's so many outcomes that I have prayed for in the past that I, I, I thank God now that I didn't get what I asked mm. for. Um, you know, it would have, it would have been more harmful than fruitful. Uh, let me tell you something, man. I, I don't think I've even won more than $15 on a scratch off lottery ticket. <laughs> you know, if I would have won $500 million, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. I know I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking. I don't, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, God knows what's best for us for sure. Um, yeah. And, but if we're not looking his way, um, <laughs> we, we're going to create a lot more problems for ourselves, And that's, I know that's been my story. Yeah. So in the next, uh, in chapter two, um, what is character? So on page 31, he describes what, how he defines character, which is similar to what we were saying a little bit ago. Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. So yeah. character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. Now, why, why do you think that as defined by God thing is, mm. is in there? Well, he's the standard. <laughs> but many, many people God. would say, well, you don't necessarily need to involve God in, char in, in our character development. Right. Well, then I would, I would, I would ask them, say to them? I, I would ask them what their standard is then for good character. Mm -hmm. And then how do they know what they know? Um, you know, do they believe in truth? Do you believe in? <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to have a standard. And if the standard's not God, um, I need to know where you're getting it. Mm -hmm. um, you know yeah so see there's a quote uh, he's kind of hits on what you're saying just a little bit below that from c.s lewis on 31 so whenever you find a man who says he doesn't believe in real right or wrong you will find the same man going back on this moment later yeah break his promise to you but if you try breaking one to him he'll be complaining <laughs> yeah yeah so even if we don't want to follow a standard we will definitely hold others to it <laughs> absolutely um I know Which, there's, you know, it, yeah, I mean, we find uh, today, I mean, everybody, I think that's where, you know, our selfishness comes in because truth becomes relative. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when we're out there all searching just for our own happiness, which yeah. is what a lot of us do, you know, happiness stands for happenings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, as Andy talks about in Ecclesiastes, it's like chasing the wind, you know, and then what links will you go to? to step on somebody else's happiness yeah, um, to get to your own. yourself happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you don't have a, a, a moral standard and if it's not God, um, then, you know, I, I don't know how you could define good character without God in it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, because you could just change the standard or change whatever is good and bad to get, to get the outcome that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Interesting. Anything else in this chapter that stuck out for you? No, this is good. I mean, this is a hard book because it just really hits you, hits you right between the eyes and in the heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like he's talking to each <laughs> right to us, you know, it makes you, makes you not want to look in the mirror sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I like this right here, you know, he, he talks about, I don't know what page I'm on the, I got it on my iPad, but just oh, talk okay. about, you know, true character is defined by the very nature of Jesus Christ, a stumbling block for some, a rock solid foundation for mm -hmm. others. So, you know, I think we could, we could both jump into the, well, there's rock solid foundation for either of us, but how does that, what, what makes that a stumbling block? Oh man. Like, why is the nature of Jesus a stumbling block for some? Because I think people have a hard time, like, wanting to be told what to do or that they should live a certain way. And I think it's out of volition, right? Um, and I, I think sometimes when, if you, if you have a problem with Jesus, a lot of it is an emotional problem. Maybe something's happened in your past or it's volitional where you know that you're doing something you shouldn't uh, be doing. Um, and then, you know, so, so that makes you not want to, um, you know, worship God. And I think a lot of that too, um, I don't know. I mean, what we have to remember is, um, you know, Christianity is about a, a man. It's about God. It's not about teachings. Mm -hmm. um, it's about Jesus. And, um, it took me a long time to figure that out. And that's why we have God's sovereign grace, yeah. because if we try to do everything that he talks about, we're, we're going to fail. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think David Platt said this once. It was kind of helpful. You know, every religion or every way um, is trying to figure out how to get from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And there are different ways to do that. And essentially, Christianity is saying you can't do that. But by the way, God, who was at the top of the mountain, came to the bottom, picked you up, and carried you to the top. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and you know, another stumbling block, too, is you look at the, in the intro and what Andy and his family and Dr. Stanley, what they experienced, right? I mean, they got punched by a deacon or by, by a leader of a church. And that's a stumbling block that mm -hmm. people... I mean, obviously, they directly correlate that to Jesus in that, oh, look at these fake Christians out there. Yeah. Um, and that keeps people away. But, mm -hmm. you know, people are going to do what they want to do, and they'll find any reason. Um, yeah. But it, but it is ironic that as, you know, even as Christian people that embrace uh, Christ, as he's carrying us up that mountain, we're fighting them to, oh. to um, like, I don't know what it is that we're even fighting exactly, but, but it's like he's carrying <laughs> us and we're, it's, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. We don't want to be carried. We need to be walking no. alongside him. Instead <laughs> of being thankful. I mean, it's hard. Listen, when you're sitting there and life is pummeling you and you're being disciplined or you're hurting, um, you know, there's change going on and it doesn't feel good to go through change. Yeah. Um, it's only when you've, getting to a point where God has carried you where you can look back and see that, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is not how I would have chosen to get to where I am. Yeah. Um, and then of course, if you jump out of God's arms and, and you don't want him to carry you, he'll let you go. And yeah. then you'll end up the tumble down the hill. <laughs> yes. In a completely different area. But and, yeah. And, and you but may, he'll still come pick you up again. If, 
if you if you want it if you want it yep yeah which is thankfully the case because that's pretty much all of us yeah because we all fall short (laughs) (laughs) way short so that kind of hints on chapter three here your character is showing yeah um so he here's uh the the quote at the beginning by dr larry crab i underlined that under he's great by the way okay I've, i've not read his stuff but Change from the inside out involves a gradual shift away from self-protective relating to strongly loving involvement. Yeah. Hmm. So I, th- I think sometimes we we kind of love people at a distance is kind of what I'm hearing there. We, but we're not really loving them. We're just relating to them. Yeah. I, well, let me see here. So change from the inside out involves a gradual shift away from self-protective relating to strongly loving involvement um, like to love someone it's messy it's uncomfortable it's unpleasant but yeah. to to em- empathize from a distance is yeah, pretty I, easy <laughs> don't want to get hurt um yeah. you know and pretty much i mean self-protecting that's selfishness i mean and, and you know to me that's i i know behind my anger and behind a lot of the problems that i have in my life is selfishness yeah. Whether I'm protecting myself or I feel like somebody stepped on my toes, you know, those are initial reactions and that sometimes selfishness will make you stay away. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about there. Yeah. So he goes on to talk about character is the motor oil of our relationships. And then um, in the section, start your engines a couple, several paragraphs in, he, he says, um, but without character, people will soon destroy one another. Eventually, the friction of our differences will take its toll, and individuals who seem destined to be together will tear each other apart. Everyday men and women who seem perfectly suited for each other cause irreversible damage to their marriages. Compatible business associates find themselves unable to resolve petty differences. Likewise, father and mothers, sons and daughters, neighbors and friends watch the relationships fall completely apart over seemingly insignificant issues while others quietly withdraw to avoid the conflict altogether. Mm. Wherever there is a deficit in the character, we pay the price in our relationships. Show me a good company managed by someone who lacks character and I will show you a group of employees who find it difficult to respect their boss. Show me a community leader who is gifted and charismatic yet without character. I will show you a community where conflict is inevitable. yeah, I mean, character is important, right? Um, and it's so hard, um, and especially in today, this age, I think, and where we're at with all of the um, online social media and everything, um, it's really easy to give into emotion and to hide behind a mask, um, you know? And I think I even heard, so I work in college football, work for the Peach Bowl, um, and I heard Nick Saban speak a few years ago, head coach of Alabama um, at one of these, one of these uh, sponsor summits we went to for ESPN. And he said that, you know, his success that he's had with this generation um, of kids is he's had to go back and just look at the way he's done everything because it's different before mm-hmm. you'd say, you know, you play your role for the team, you do it for the team. Um, he said he had to go away from that 
and people they wouldn't respond well to that because they I, didn't I, they didn't want to give it up for the team what they wanted to do he had to go and tell them that they had to be the best them mm. that they could be and then he had to turn it back onto themselves yeah um, and i think that's a, a a good example um people are trying to just get what they want um and i think that's a level of selfishness and i think where there's a lot of selfishness and you know, high self-esteem, low self-esteem, wherever there's self, um, it's going to be hard to have great character, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, because I think, yeah, the more that, I mean, the char the character we have is, these situations are, are, are illuminating tests. So, and it seems like, depending on the, the level of character we have, uh, is how far we we fall during these tests so those masks yeah. we're wearing they 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 fade away quickly um but the fact you know so that's that's an interesting idea that the the, the structure we put in place to kind of make us seem like we have better character than we really do um doesn't actually hold 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 water when when the crisis hits yeah um no the water is comes in and sinks the boat. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here. I mean, man, I think we could sit here and talk for, for hours on the things that he's written here. Uh, yeah. the, the other one just talking about marriage and, and why husband and wives sometimes become the bitterest of enemies. Mm. Why so many siblings grow up as classic rivals. Um, you know, the closer you get to the people around you, the, the greater the chance the conflict will surface. Um, and that's so true. Uh, yeah. I know in my life, that's probably one of the reasons why I haven't been closer to people because I, I didn't like conflict. Mm. Um, you know, and like I said, selfishness has been something that's driven me my entire life. I know yeah. that for sure. Um, and you know, when I gave my life to Christ or when Christ tackled me, um, oh, I just keep hearing him tell me, and I ask every day, every night, why am I so selfish? Why am I so selfish? And he's like, yeah. well, you've been doing it. You've been selfish for, I'm 46, <laughs> 46 years. That's a hard thing to break when it's yeah. all about me, you know? Yeah, I guess the, the challenge too is um, that, that problem, we I think we 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 leave or we break relationships or jobs or businesses, whatever communities, and we at least until we learn, we think well it was them, it was something else, it was some external factor, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. Yeah. But we we go to the next situation and we 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 cause the same problem and then we go to the next one and then maybe we've got we're on our fourth marriage, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. it might. Be right it's like it's like we were talking about earlier um it's i don't have problems in my life i am the problem <laughs> yeah yeah that's wherever i go there's a problem it seems yeah but it can't be me yeah <laughs> so and where but what happens is it, where it isn't that person that they and it works fairly well it's probably because they have some people around them that are fairly accommodating to that person's deficiencies <laughs> which is another problem that that when the absolutely the storm, storm hits it, it all comes unbundling. <laughs> so he talks about the idea of compounding effect of character in a couple pages. 
A person who possesses character has an impact on everyone in his or her sphere of influence. Men and women of character possess moral authority. When you are with people who have proven track record in the areas of integrity and concern for others, you feel safe. You drop your guard. You may actually find yourself drawn to them. Instinctively, you may even begin emulating their approach to life and problem solving. Without meaning to, without meaning to you adopt some of their standards. You follow willingly. Their character is contagious. And, um, you know, I can relate Andy Sandley's someone uh, example. Um, unfortunately, Robbie Zacharias passed away today. Uh, I know, and that makes me so uh, part. But he, part, he I mean, this I'm for me. For his family. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love Robbie. Man, he, his, just his messages and everything. Just the way that he communicated. I mean, God really shined. Truth, him. but graceful. Yeah. He was so um, compassionate in how he spoke. Yeah. But you know, for him today, this was a glorious day. Yeah. Um, no, no more physical ailments. And... No, he's, he's in God's glory. And my heart just really hurts for his family. And, and I know this, um, we're going to miss him because he was yeah. doing much good out there. But I think at the same time, you know, there's sometimes those people that, that we look up to and that we follow and that, that lead us, um, it, there's a, there's a point where they've, they've done their work and now it's time for the next group to, to take the lead. Right. And you see that. I mean, I, I relate to sports a lot, yeah. but you know, it's interesting that you see so many successful um, assistant coaches from like, say a Nick Saban. That's why they yeah. all go and have, have a great um, career because they learned under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same in basketball too. You see a lot of, coaches that came up under um, a good coach um, go on and have successful careers. And a lot of it, most of it it goes back to character too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it goes the other way, right? I mean, if you've come up under somebody that has bad character um, and has a low moral standard, um, you know. And and sometimes they can, you could almost even make the argument that their character is generally okay, but they have some severe character flaws that almost, cause us to overlook the rest of it because of the severity yep and you know a lot of it is too is just you know it's ourselves our yeah our (laughs) self gets in the way a lot of times yeah and what else you got in this chapter here let me see what else i had um just looking through back through my highlights yeah all right, you know, our relationship with God, which is just what we were talking about earlier, just says the instant we knowingly compromise our character. Did you, I think you just read that. A change takes place deep inside us. In that moment, we feel keenly aware of a disparity between God's standard and the one we are living out. Mm. We are filled with a gnawing sense of unworthiness and we feel distanced from him. Yeah. All this feeling guilt. And um, I think... That's a good thing, though, to feel that because um, it means that you still have a conscience and you still have a chance. Um, if someone's not feeling that, then it's, yeah, it's, I, it's not a good situation. Right. I mean, then maybe you, you start to become even more distanced from God. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to carry around guilt and shame, especially if you're not around people that can hold you accountable or people like you were just talking about that make you feel safe, which are good leaders. 
um, you can confide in them mm. and just getting that guilt and that, that shame out outside of you can, um, Oh man, it can just, yeah. it can be a life changer. Well, and that's where the, the, the realness of, of Christianity is so profound is that it, I don't know what the right word is, but there, there's a place to de- there's a way to deal with that shame and guilt that I think is very difficult to do without. Yeah. Um, although, you know, people figure out ways to do it. But for me, you know, when I dealing with that guilt and shame, I, I had a moment where I realized, you know, in Christ, we have victory. I mean, Paul talks about, I mean, this is all throughout the New Testament is the victory we have over sin and over death. And, um, but I was, it was almost just a moment where it just, it clicked. It went from inside of my head into my heart where I just, it was true. You know, it was, I embraced it and it, and it was a moment that just, that that I changed. Um, And it wasn't that I couldn't feel guilt or shame in moments, but it wasn't like this um, swamp that I was living in, you know, it was different. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, and, and I can relate to that as well. I mean, it's, you know, before a lot of the stuff that I would do that would hurt me, but would hurt a lot of people around me um, wasn't necessarily I, it didn't didn't bother me as much yeah um, but at least now when it's on our hearts you know and you can take inventory of it i mean that's a good thing yeah right? and, and and there's something about um the development of character that in the moment it's not something we want but in the future it's something we're very glad happened <laughs> Yeah. Building character doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a long, slow process. Yeah. So on, uh, on 48, he, to your selfish, uh, comments, he says, he quotes Larry Crabb, the greatest obstacle to building truly good relationship is justified self-centeredness. The selfishness that deep in our souls feels entirely reasonable and therefore acceptable in light of how we've been treated. And that whole thing about justification is a and pride is a very interesting one um an interesting exercise that i've kind of learned is practice not justifying yourself Hmm. so when you're in a party and your wife says something that's not entirely accurate about you or when your kid says something or when your parents says something or a coworker, our inclination is like to defend ourselves right to explain the real story but just sit in that and see what happens. That's something I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I, but I, I think if you try to do that away from from God and the standards that God had set on our hearts, if you're not focused on that, um, that can be a tough thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> not know, impossible. I, I don't see. I mean, that goes back to the exact conversation that we were having early earlier today about God being a standard um, for good yeah. character. Well, and the thing um, that I lean on is that I have been justified by Christ on the cross. Yes. And so I don't need to justify myself. Nope. <laughs> but to your point, without that, it's like, how would I do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'd need something. <laughs> that's that's what I've got. So it works powerfully. I feel yes, like I, 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 I had another moment where I, re- I felt like I received a justifying grace. Where I didn't feel like I had to justify myself and that I could really embrace the justification that was given to me. Um, accepting God's grace is, is a hard thing, man, especially when you don't, you know, like you said, it's so hard sometimes to love yourself. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, Christ gave it all up for us, yeah. each and every one of us. So, um, well, and that's the we, thing that's also powerful is that with good, with strong character, we choose how we're going to act regardless of what circumstances we're in or how others respond. So I'm going to do this or that, which is what God does with us. He is who he is and he acts the way he acts. And no matter what we do or don't do, it doesn't change who he is. And we can operate in that same way with our kids, you know, with our coworkers or with whoever. And so that's an interesting dynamic. And there is something powerful about the idea that when you stand strong and others, you, you, even if you don't say anything, but you just, your actions speak louder than words, it can make, it can inspire people as we saw. It can also make people uncomfortable. Um, so, I mean, I remember growing up there, I had a lot of different friends and different kind of groups and different groups did different things. And there were some groups that did things that I wouldn't do. Um, and when they were around me, we didn't do those things. And it wasn't like a spoken thing. It just, it was just a presence thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, um, I tell you, the you know, self, the, the problem of self, you know, Tim, Timothy Keller talks about self-forgetfulness. That's what we need to all practice. Self-forgiveness? Self -forget like to forget about ourselves? Yeah. Or think that, about us less? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Because when you operate out of a low self-esteem, um, you're deflated. Mm right? But the only reason you're deflated is because at one time you were puffed up. Yeah. When you were having a lot of self-esteem, but getting to that self-forgetfulness is tough, man. And that's just accepting the grace of God. And like I said, that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to accept. And it's a very hard thing to do also when you have a lot of self in you. <laughs> yeah. Because you won't show others that grace, mm. you know? Um, and that's the difference is we expect God, um, to forgive us, um, but we're not willing to forgive others. Yeah, it's the story of the um, the lender. Yeah, King forgives him of this unforgivable debt, oh, yep. and then he goes and tries to claim like pennies, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because I don't know how to you know convey that because someone that feels entitled to those pennies, and even if it's someone that's a Christian they have been forgiven of this monumental debt, but yet we still want those pennies, you know, it's, yeah. it's so, we're so messed up. <laughs> oh man. It's, uh, it's, and that's being nice. Uh, <laughs> it's so hard, but I think once God puts that on your heart and right, I was just reading here in some of Andy's books and just talking about, um, you know, Romans two. 14 to 16 and just talking about the standards that God puts on, puts on your heart. Um, you know, once you open yourself up to that, um, it does become, it becomes raw. And that's why this book is so hard. Yeah. Um, because you just see how flawed you are as a person, you yeah. know? Um, and, and I guess with, if that's all you saw, but without any hope, Yep. You know, how, how does one reconcile that? It's, it's hard. Oh, I don't know. And I think that's why you've, if, if you don't have any hope, if, um, if, if you're not anchored to Christ, um, the meaning that you have in life is like a, it's like holding on to a kite, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just going to be blown around. Yeah. And I, I know when my, my dad died when I was 19 years old and that's how I was. I mean, every situation and every circumstance, 
just knocked me down or blew me over. And it created those layers of grief that I was talking about earlier. Um, if you don't have uh, a relationship and a belief and hope in Christ, then everything that's happening to you, um, there's no answer for it. And you, you, it's, it's real easy to then lean into substance abuse, um, all kinds of abuse, really. Um, I mean, I could not imagine going through what we're going through with the loss of, of our daughter if we didn't have hope. Um, there'd be no reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. At all. Um, so, you know, I think having that, that standard of God and having those standards on our heart and recognizing it is, is, is incredible. Yeah. Hmm. Let me see here. What do we got next year? What, what chapter are we on? So we jumped <laughs> this to chapter is hard when I'm falling around on a, <laughs> Yeah, chapter four. Anything in chapter four that stuck out for you? Yeah, I mean, I love these. Obviously, these quotes are here at the very beginning <laughs> of the book because they're all good. But what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Mm. Oh, man. I, I feel like, yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of our external externalities um, are good and wise and prudent externalities, the way we behave, the way we act, the way our society operates are inherited in a lot of ways. Um, But we are just inside where we are a lot worse than our externalities, I think, indicate. Um, And, you know, like our laws, our rules, our our governing authorities, our communities, the expectations, I think those shape us a lot more that if we didn't have that, we'd see more of the darkness inside (laughs) Right. And that, you know, and you see that around right now in all of our, in our communities too, um, everywhere. And it goes back to having um, leaders. That's why having great leaders that are, um, you know, that, that love Jesus, that have given their lives to him are so important, man, because, mm-hmm. you know, coming up, being raised around, you know, in crime or substance abuse or just even a unstable um house at home even if your your parents are married i mean that's going to affect you you know having having good leaders um people to love you and hold you accountable Mm -hmm. um that's super important because right we're like you just said we're we're all a mess on the inside yeah so it's interesting a couple pages in he says um um right before the putting the shoe on the other foot section he says When we acknowledge that God's standard is the standard, we demonstrate respect. When we commit to follow God's standard, regardless of what it costs us, we trust him. As we seek to understand his standard more thoroughly, and as we run up against our inability to live out his standard consistently, we communicate with him. The pursuit of character inevitably becomes the pursuit of God. Mm -hmm. And that is the source of which character comes from, which is what we were saying earlier. Yep. Um... Yeah, and then you know you you because it's his character we're seeking to have within ourselves. That's right, um, and that goes all the way back to um, let's see here. I'm sitting here looking at this list too. <laughs> it talks about men and women of character. Mm-hmm. Um, at the description, look at the description. Their walk is blameless. Mm-hmm. They do what is right. 
They tell the truth. They don't gossip. They don't mistreat people. They side with those who are right. They keep their word. They lend money to those in need without interest. They don't take advantage of people for financial gain. Mm. I mean, (laughs) where, how many of those we need to cross off for ourselves? (laughs) Right. And when you start looking at that, I mean, so many things come into play and a lot of it is, you know, yourself that comes into play in a lot of those things. Um, you know, and you have to have, uh, you know, a moral standard when they talk about, they side with those who are right. Well, how, how are you determining what is right? Unless yeah. you know what is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's sitting here too, and you look at um, Romans eight twenty eight, right? And eight twenty nine, and it just talks about, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to yeah. the image of his son. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah, <laughs> getting that character of, of, of Christ, becoming Christ-like, um, you can't read a book on that. Yeah. Um, you can't listen to self-help tapes that takes you the other way. And, you know, for those yeah. of that who are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, um, that just means that we're going to be purified, you know, by <laughs> with fire yeah. and, and pain and hurt. And that's <laughs> yeah. where that character is going to come from. Yeah, and the last section in the chapter is uh, titled "Emotional Stamina Delivered Through the Storms." Hmm. Um, you know, he kind of talks about that idea, but I, I highlighted the the line. Um, so it is with men and women of character; they are not delivered from the storms of life, but they are delivered through them. Yeah. Their roots go deep. Their faith is strong. Their resolve is unwavering. And I think the both of us, although you know, you've obviously been through much more horrific oh. troubles than I have, but I think it's our past crisis, our past troubles that actually have helped build, give us deep roots for the current one that we're in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can relate to this too. And first off, um, you know, I always tell people, you know, they always say just what you just said, and I appreciate you saying it, but look, when we're sitting there and, and no matter where it come from, comes from and something takes us out and, and hurts our heart, and hurts our life. I mean, you know, that, that's on, that's uncomfortable for you. So I always tell people not to minimize their grief or what they're going through. Um, But when you find yourself in that situation, you know, so many times I look back in the hospital, um, lost Anna Charles is my six year old daughter who we lost to leukemia. Um, Well, she's not lost. You don't lose anybody to heaven, Um, (laughs) but she passed away. Um, like a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, I remember being in the hospital at the time and, you know, so many of us, we get in the habit of praying for blessings. We want to see blessings or we pray for outcomes. Um, but we really just need to, to get closer and to, to get to know the blesser more, yeah. know God more. And, you know, I've said this before to you, I think in the conversation is so many times we are so worried about how things turn out and God is more concerned with how we turn out. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my great uncle, uh, he said, God isn't just in the business of salvation, but also the developing of character. 
Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, development hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The starting point can often be the easiest part. <laughs> yes. Um, so chapter five, an inside job. I, another great quote from Socrates, may the inner man and the outer be one. And I just, I love the idea of genuineness, authenticity in terms of the inside is the outside. There is no mask. I am who I am. I'm real time as much as I can be, you know, versus delayed on the outside that I am in the inside or vice versa. Yeah. Um, it's, and I, the, the, scripture is going away from me here but um you know just talking about paul the apostle paul talks about how um on the outside we're 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 wasting away mm. but on the inside our inward man you know is is developing and yeah. um and 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 to think that way is and to to recognize that the external will die no matter what we do we can't there yep. is there is nothing we, we can do to overcome that but to allow the internal to die as well is is a tragedy yes it is and you know that's the thing i mean the it's it's the inside um and it's the things that we can't see right that are that are, in, that are incorruptible those things that you put in heaven um put our hopes in in those things but a lot of us put our hopes into the the corruptible things and it's yeah. so hard i mean look a lot of this and it's so it's this is so easy to do um i never could understand before i lost my daughter what it meant to put god first in 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 my life and i'm like well, how i mean doesn't you want me to put put my family and and you know <laughs> my kids and um you know i found out the hard way that in order to be a good daddy, in order to be a, a, a good husband or a good employee, um, you have to have God first. Mm -hmm. And that, that'll make you a better daddy, a better husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah. also it taught me that, you know, everything that we see in front of us right now, um, you know, as Job said, we came into this world you know, with nothing and we're leaving with nothing and everything in between is a blessing from God. Yeah. So when I hear the, when Christ talks about um, the rich man won't inherit the kingdom of heaven except with the eye of the needle, that's what I think about is that, that passage of your soul is the only thing that goes through the old, the whole, the whole of that needle. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, the, the 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 world is a hard is a hard place, man, because it just takes your your focus off of um, of God yeah. or so many distractions. Yeah, but for me, what's what was so profound um, was to recognize that I am corruptible. Well, one, it was that I have been corrupted, I am corrupted, and I will be corrupted again. <laughs> but that no matter what. Christ will pursue me in all of those scenarios and has and will and will continue to. So I don't have to worry about that corruption because I know um, the, the healer of corruption will find and heal me. Right. And that's awesome that you have, that you have that. Yeah. You know, I think you have to have that. We have to have that. Yeah. Um, and that's, what's so heartbreaking. Uh, because there are some people and me included <laughs> that, that sometimes it's, it's hard to think that way. Yeah, it really is, you know, um, but it, it, it's kind of this idea of facing our fears head on. 
Yep. And that is a very scary thing to do. And, um, right. But it's interesting that if, if for me to go down that road, that's the revelation that I got to was, was that no matter how scary it got down that road, there was someone far more powerful than. Sure. Because, because you think about it, right. And, and what happens when we fear, if we don't have, if we don't have Christ in our life, you become self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at the pandemic and you look at everything that we're going through right now. Um, it's real easy when you're scared to just give in to yourself and to, to make yourself feel better. Yeah. It is truly hard when you're sitting there and you're looking at a job loss yeah. or you're looking at you maybe lost a, someone, a parent to, to the coronavirus. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Or if you're, if you're, um, in the, the community of childhood cancer and you're a parent that has, has seen your, your child fight and then, you know, and then they, they die. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to sit there and, you know, not feel sorry yeah. for yourself. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah. Know. Um, I, I think there's, we can kind of look at our life in this crisis and go, where am I? where am I like a black hole? Where am I consuming and taking and where am I giving and, and how can I adjust that so that I'm not just taking, you know, that, that selfish needy thing versus being a conduit and giving. Yeah. You know what? And, uh, second Corinthians, um, chapter one, it just talks about God comforts us. Um, in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those mm-hmm. in every yeah. one of their troubles or in any of their troubles um, with the same, you know, love or comfort that God had given to us. And, you know, I have found, and it's so hard because when you're hurting, man, you just want to sit there on the couch and you don't want to do anything, but when you can make yourself get up yeah. and, you know, do something good for somebody, do something that's positive. That's just not for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to do when you're hurting, mm-hmm. um, you know, you feel better. And I think that's why God puts us in these troubles too, um, yeah. because they're not for us. What we're going through right now, it is to develop character, but I think it's for the other people out there too. Um, so that we can take that comfort that God has given to us and we can use it on other people. Yeah. You know, I think that's, when you look at this pandemic, I think that's part of it. I mean, it's just crazy because depending on who you talk to, their outlook is so different on what's going on. And that has to do with, have they lost anybody? Do they still have their job? How is it affecting their life? And, and what's the risk? Where's yeah. your risk at? Is it in staying open or closing or somewhere yeah. else? Right. And we see these things going on all around us. I mean, you see childhood cancer, you see death. Mm-hmm. The, the coronavirus or what have you and you know yet we still get up and we we pray and we give it everything to god um, but then it happens to you these things that you're seeing now all of a sudden you know we find ourselves going well god what there can't be a god or, or he's not good or this wouldn't happen and that goes right back to character and goes back to our selfishness because yeah. we see it going on but when it hurts us it's, you know, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the, uh, the next chapter is the hard way. <laughs> so oh, that's a great segue. 
A man's success lies not in what cards he has dealt, but in whether he bothers to pick them up and play them. (laughs) And that can be so hard because, I mean, there are things that happened in your life that you didn't decide. And there are things that happened in my life that I didn't decide. And we have to respond to what's there. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's a tough deal. Like, I'm sitting here reading... Whenever God's standard con- conflicts with our personality, our lifestyle, or our circumstances, an interesting phenomenon takes place. Our first instinct is to tweak his standard. We adjust it just a little bit to fit our lifestyle. Mm. That's so true. Like, what would be an example of that that you can think of? Let me see here. Oh, man. Um, have a Shoot. I think there's a quite a bit of these. Um, I mean, just taxes. Well, okay, everything comes <laughs> back to death and taxes, right? <laughs> I mean, to, to taxes. I mean, Jesus said, pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we pay our taxes, but we're supposed to be honest yeah. about that. But we also want to make sure that we have enough money to give and do all these other things for good. Uh, but yet maybe we tweak, <laughs> we yeah. tweak our taxes. I know it's something that's, that's a basic thing, but telling a half truth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe sometimes you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation where maybe you're failing at something. Um, and instead of just being honest with whoever your direct report is or whatever, for out of fear that, that, you may get criticized. Um, maybe you tell a half truth, and <laughs> or you refrain from telling the truth. Or that you could... refrain, yeah. yeah. And I think every time we do that, do something like that, I'm guilty of that. Um, it, you know, I think that that dings our character a little bit because then you get back into the guilt and you get back into mm-hmm. the shame of that. And depending on where your eyes and your heart are focused, it, it can take you down. Yeah. And so, I mean, the book, the chapter talks about the hardness of hearts and, and then the last part is yeah. the softening of our hearts. And so um, that idea that we become so hard hearted that we, you know, and I, um, this is kind of an interesting dynamic just in this current crisis is, um, you know, there's people are dying and whatnot. And, and one of the arguments that I've heard is that, well, a lot of people die from the flu. And it would have actually, my response to that has been, well, maybe that's not okay. Maybe we shouldn't be so hardened to the fact that 30 something thousand people die from the flu. And yeah, this may be more severe, but, but those people matter too. So there's, we've been normalized that these people die and it's just how it is and we should accept it, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe there are things we could be doing that could make that those people's lives not be lost. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. (laughs) that yeah. I had. Well, and right. I think that you have had to have walked through some of the things that these people have, you have to walk a mile in their moccasins and yeah. if you haven't really lost anybody or had something hard that, you know, to deal with in your life. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's, have hard, I, it's hard to show compassion. Yeah. People, because again, it's, it's coming from a, a selfish point of view. Um, yeah. And I guess that's the thing is like, have I been so selfish that I mean, now, now I'm doing, I have certain habits that I'm doing in terms of like 
sanitizing my hands and <laughs> and that's a know, good yeah before I go into a restaurant when I come out and it's like well it's not a big deal for me to do that why did it take a crisis for me to to do it now you know so um so perhaps there's selfishness in me and others that that we could have actually changed a little bit and and made things better in the old situation and it's not until this crisis that we develop these new habits that could help people in the meantime. right and you know coming out of this too i mean hopefully hopefully there's a reawakening hopefully that you know there are no surprises to god by the way he's not sitting up there going oh i didn't see this one coming <laughs> yeah uh, you know so he just like in the world of childhood cancer um you know, I think it was Winnie the Pooh or Igor e- or whatever that said, um, weeds are flowers too once you get to know them. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you can use a pandemic like this. God will use a pandemic. God mm-hmm. will use childhood cancer to bring out the best in, in people um, to, for his love. And I know it was Andy Stanley that said, you know, love comes, it, it comes horizontally. It's not vertical. God's not concerned about what we are, um, how much we are just loving him directly. I mean, he wants that, but he wants us to love other people and to comfort them using our experiences. It was like, I think it was C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity who just said, you know, when you, as a father, when your son or your daughter uh, he comes and brings you a nice, nice gift on Father's Day, you, know, you look at it and go, oh, that's great. But you know that they bought it with your money. Uh, yeah. So God would rather us take his love and spread it out to other people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's, a. I don't know. Yeah. Hard thing well, in, so in chapter seven, he, he talks about the process called renewal. Yeah. And I think that might be part of it is that, um, you know, we kind of expect this process to move along fairly quickly when it can take years and decades, you know, to, to develop this maturity. Yeah. And it's often like a daily practice that leads to that. It's like, man, if you're not doing that. Right. And it's, you know, we're, we're attacked by the world each and every day. And I think it goes right back to, um, you know, it goes right back to Genesis, right? Yeah everything and I, I know we've talked about this in our in our groups our men's group but you know everything comes down to um, lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and pride of life and pretty much everything starts external in what we're keeping our 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 eyes and our mind on mm-hmm. uh, and it comes from the outside to the inside and yeah. if we're not paying attention and we're not staying close to god and staying in god's word or um going to church and and worshiping god um it's so easy to have these little successes or to have um little league baseball and travel ball and before you know it those things are driving your life and those are the things that you're really worshiping and serving you're not serving god and then you know you you find yourself getting drifting away yeah Um, unfortunately so you have to make an effort yeah, and he talks about the end of this chapter, um, I highlighted, but while God is faithfully working to produce character in you, oddly enough, much of our progress is dependent on our willingness to cooperate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's just like what you were talking about. God will <laughs> carry us up the hill if, if we want to, but not many of us want to be carried. 
(laughs) That's why we have to wait till we're just laying there on the floor and we can't be carried anymore that we'll finally give it to God. Mm. I mean, that's, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, and that's kind of the, the death, like death in the moment in the season leading up to that is, I mean, uh, unless you're, you die in like a sudden way, but I remember my great grandmother, I mean, her health just deteriorated, deteriorated to the point where she was just completely dependent on other people. And, and so there's an interesting, you know, is that God's way of helping us to get to that point? Yeah. I mean, it's right. I mean, it's, you know, he's the upside down kingdom. He's more concerned with the things that, that we can't see than what we can see. Yeah. Um, And I'm pretty sure if, if if we could hear him and and, I mean, it's in scripture and, you know, if you could just see what I see, yeah, um, you'd be a little bit more willing to work with me here. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Chapter eight, taking off the old, Mm -hmm. Mm. off with the old. That's a tough thing. That's a tough thing. Take, yeah. Renewing our minds is a two part process taking off the old and putting on the new. And I like this. It says, when it comes to renewing the mind, taking off the old means identifying lies, wrong ideas, misperceptions, and misinterpretations uh, that serve as the foundation of our beliefs and attitudes. In some cases, these are things we all believed all of our lives. Um, yeah, and I think it's so important to identify what it is we believe and then what informs <laughs> yep. that belief. Yep. What truth or or uh what we think is true, um, uh, but it may, yeah. may not be, is actually informing that that belief, which informs our behavior. You know what's interesting is I took um talking about Robbie Zacharias, I took that core um core class at RZIM Academy. It's like a okay. fourteen week class and it was great and yeah. it put you in some uncomfortable situations where you had to go out and talk to people that mm. about their faith um and ask them what they believe mm. you know maybe and we were looking for people that weren't christians um and i went and talked to some people that considered themselves agnostic okay. and you know you sat down and you asked them what they believe um, we asked them about morals and you asked them about purpose and you asked them about um, creation mm-hmm. and you asked them about, you know, where do we go when, when, when we leave here? Yeah. Um, and none of them even thought about it. Mm. None of them even thought about it really. They, they all said they didn't, they've never really thought about it. And uh, yeah, that to me, and that goes back to this right here is, yeah, I mean, how, how how do you? A lot of this comes back to how do you explain, you know, morality? Well, yeah, I mean, did did you find that it's like did they did they almost say, well, you can't know, so we just won't try? You know what it was the the answers I got were that they didn't really have time to think about it. Okay, so they're busy that, with life. That they just um, they felt like there was a God. Um, but they never thought about morals. They've never thought about what mm-hmm. the greater purpose is. And um, when, so when we started talking about like, you know, um, the creation of the universe and like, you know, asking them, 
you know, how do you, you know, do you really believe that something can come out of nothing? And, and you know, you start, start talking about the fine tuning of the universe and, and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people are spending time looking <laughs> yeah. at that. And, but when you can get out there and talk to them, and this is what Ravi Zacharias talked about. You, they have a lot of questions, right? But yeah. it's not the questions. And if you can't answer their questions based on reason. You know, there's a questioner behind every question. Yeah. That's, that's what you have to do is connect and listen to people mm-hmm. and figure out why they think the way that they do and not just try yeah. to answer their questions. Yeah. To understand them and their point of view and, and, um, and to really, to not just understand it enough that you can tell them why they're wrong. Right. It's the questioner. Right. That, the and relationship. That yeah. <laughs> You're not listening and, to and, fix you know, them. You're not listening to win. You're listening to learn. And a lot of us don't even go that deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, some of us are sitting here going, like, we'll talk with having a conversation with somebody. And instead of listening to them, we're going, man, the game starts in 20 minutes when there used to be games. Um, you know, <laughs> we're having that internal monologue and we're truly not listening to people. And, and well, and I guess that's an interesting thing is we have an opportunity to listen to each other now. Yes, for sure. And, but are, are we doing that? I mean, are yeah. people really listening to each other or, you know, how, and it goes back to how we're spending our time and the content and everything that we're bringing into our lives. Yeah. Cause if you're not paying attention to, to what you're listening and what you're watching, and what you're doing with your time, that yeah. right there will impede, um, you know, good character development. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else in this chapter? Taking off the old. No, but I mean, it's hard, right? Taking off the old. We talked about this earlier. Just, you know, um, <laughs> the old doesn't go away. It's not going to go away until until we're laying at the feet yeah. of Christ. Yeah. So. so so putting on the new chapter nine. Let me see. Yep. Behold, I make all things new. The goal is to equip yourself to the point that you have these scriptures on the tip of your tongue, which you are very good about that. <laughs> I don't, let me see here. I was looking at the other ones. Um, I've always been this way. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is doing it. Um, I can handle it. One more time won't hurt. Nobody will know. Oh. I'm in love. Um, finding the lies, but putting on the new, yes. Let's see here. What page is that that you're on? So I'm on page 114, chapter 9, putting on the new. should be a couple more pages from what you were just reading. Okay. Renewal will involve digging out for yourself the specific truths that counter the specific lies that we believe. So that's kind of the idea is if you identify what what I believe and then identify what informs that belief, then I can actually, it's like Lego blocks. I can start to switch them out, you know? Um, But there is a like our identity is often tied to these things. So sometimes it's hard to, to one, go down that road and then two, to actually replace them. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's, it's slowing down. Um, it's so easy. I'm so guilty of this. I mean, I I can tell you right now, like I love to, to grill and to cook. Um, and I can look at it. I can catch myself looking at recipes for like, two hours um 
you have to make it a, uh, I mean, it, it's got to be top priority to spend time with God and thinking about these oh. things. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if we had that sense with God where we spent yeah. two hours with him and we didn't realize two hours right? had just come you know, by? To, yeah. to delight in, in his law and meditate on it day and night. And I know that's what it talks about in Psalms 1, but um, it's hard to do because there's so many distractions. Um, and whether you're in a pandemic <laughs> or if you're at your office, I mean, what are, you know, we all brush our teeth and we all um, have different things that we do going about the day, but we, you know, we all hear, Hey, I don't have enough time to be in God's word to learn yeah. the scriptures, but I'm sure we could, we could find time. Yeah. We can make time. It's just, what are we going to choose to use, do with it? So he, essentially in the rest of the chapter, he talks about Christ, you know, when Jesus faced Satan and he used scripture to, yep. to push back. And, and Satan even used scripture to, to tempt God. Um, so um, he just was doing it in a he misrepresented misrepresentative it. way. Right. Um, but Christ was pulling out the intention as well as the written word. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like um, the serpent, though, in, in the garden, all the way back to Genesis 3. I mean, he misinterpreted scripture as well. So, mm. you know, that's another lesson we can all make scripture say what we want it to say, but yeah, you know, it's important to know the context behind it. And it's incredible that I just love it that Jesus. And I think those all actually tie back to lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. Mm. Um, those three tests. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, one of the verses that I, that helped me a lot when in some of my own battles um, was second Timothy one, seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And it's it's a it was an interesting test for me to, you know, when I was feeling fearful, I knew that wasn't from God. Right. And so whatever I was thinking or thinking or about to act, I knew that I needed to take a step back. Um, if I wasn't being self-controlled, then this wasn't of God. If I wasn't, you know what I mean? There was it was yeah. a test. a really practical test for these kind of temptations and trials and you know what and you bring up another good question i mean how how do we know if if we're not in the word of god um then how do we know what is from god and a lot of that times you'll hear people say well i'm just not feeling god today it's emotion that 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 we let dictate or they say something like god just wants me to be happy (laughs) yeah or i'm just gonna go with what's on my heart yeah you can't do that and the you know the whole thing is i think we all we're all guilty of this um but if 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 you're not taking the time to get to know god you're not in his word you may be worshiping worshiping a god um that's not truly god you're worshiping and that's you're worshiping yourself idolatry (laughs) yeah yeah so i think it's important to to be on you know to be in his word and study in these scriptures, like what you were just talking about what with first Timothy and um, being able to meditate on his word so that you can actually hear God speak and, and know what is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chapter 10, putting it all together. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. It's pretty and, straightforward. <laughs> yeah. So he talks about speaking the truth out loud. Yeah. And he gives some verses personalizing the truth. So making it relevant to ourselves. 
I think that's real important. Um, praying the truth, meditating on the truth. And uh, those were kind of the four steps to help us take internalize that truth. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Meditation these days, um, you know, you think of meditation and you think of just sitting there doing yoga or being quiet and um, being able to control your mind. But, you know, meditation should be taking God's word and taking the time to go through it and, and you know, chewing on it. And yeah, um, I think that's obviously the, the type of meditation that we should be doing. Yeah, and it, I think if we're, if we're living forward as opposed to just in, stopped in place, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, every time we come back around to the, you know, for reading the Bible, when we come back around to it, like hopefully we've lived in a bit more life. So when we revisit it, there's some freshness to, to how we see it and how we relate to it. Yeah, and I think that's the greatest thing that I love about it. I mean, there's things that I've, I've read over the past couple of years that I've know I've just glossed over. Yeah. I can read it today and it just <laughs> jumps off the page at me. Yeah. Like one, one interesting thing I've been just thinking about is, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, it's destroyed mm-hmm. and um, Lot's wife. I don't remember. You remember her name? I can't remember now. Um, anyway, her life, her, she, as they're leaving, she looks back and turns yeah. into a pillar of salt. Oh. But there's, so there's kind of an interesting situation, you know, we're in this crisis and I think people are, they're looking back at what things yeah. were. And, yeah. and I think it's really dangerous. It is. It is dangerous. They're, they're seeing what they lost and they're holding on to that thing. And, and they're, it's causing them to, to do things that maybe not literally turn into pillar of assault, but, but may lead to their own destruction as well. Yeah. Um, you know, some things are, are, are better off left in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's just an example, like a, oh, a random one. Of, but, of that. I mean, but, but, you know, that's nostalgia too, right? So mm-hmm. we can look back in the past and, you know, we always think back to certain situations and they seem so good compared to where they are now because of everything. But we forget about all the, the cruddy yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, with it. And yeah. the, the more time and time that goes by, we forget, the, we forget that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why having an eternal perspective and eternal view on things um, is so much better. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're loving this world and loving this earth and, and you know, it gets sadder the older we get. Yeah. But having that eternal view, man, of, of the victory that Christ gave us. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's rejoicing in hope. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. All righty, next chapter, 11. Chapters in this book. Yeah, you gotta, might have to <laughs> get, uh, push it a little faster. But um, and This guy's anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the quote, go ahead and read it. Yeah, in politics, as in life, it's better to be a skeleton in a grave than to have one in your <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Unfinished business. What are those secrets that need to come out? Yep, the, the, the leftovers, the remnants. Um, yeah, those things will weigh you down. And I know we talked a lot about that in our men's group. Yeah. Um, you know, is making sure that you have somebody that you can talk to um, to get those things out because those things will just weigh you down and, and, and keep you from, 
from heaven and seeking a relationship with Christ. Yeah, and he kind of talks about this a little bit in this chapter and in my own journey. You know, when I was in, several years into my business, I realized that just how I had done things, I had hurt people, employees, clients, different ways. And it's like, man, like kind of had some casualties along the way here. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's not good. Like I had a, I, I mean, you kind of, kind of know it, but when I sort of sat down and like wrote a list of those I had hurt, <laughs> um, it's like, okay, I need to go make this right. So I just started meeting with all of them and That's awesome. apologizing and asking for further forgiveness. And I had all kinds of reactions. Some people embraced it. Some people like, you know, you're fine. We're good. Some people said, go pound sand. I never want to talk to you again. I mean, it was all over the map, okay. but I, I did my part and, um, That's great. and it was, I just did it. It was just you know, I guess God gave me that directive and I didn't think about it because maybe if I would have thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. But <laughs> but that that's great. I, I don't know if I've hit my entire list, <laughs> um, but that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know? And, and it, you know, and what you saw too, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, if you don't have that, the God standard, living up to his standard, um, you see that even though, you're coming out and saying you're, you apologize and you're sorry for how you treated somebody, you know, they, they don't yeah. show you grace. And, and that's kind of where I, 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 my aim now is to live in real time reconciliation. So if I hurt you, I tell you, I'm sorry. Now, if yep. I need to thank you, I say, thank you. Now, like I don't create this, this accumulation. I just, I just deal with it right away. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting. And that's reading a book. Um, the Overcoming Life uh, by D.L. Moody and okay. a lot of his sermons. And that's what he talks about too. He talks about, you know, talking about pride and mm. forgiveness that once you do something wrong to somebody, you need to go right then mm. and you need to apologize. Yeah. To them. Because if you don't, um, that feeling that you have over the next 24 hours is, you know, more than likely you're going to, diminish diminish it right yeah. so go ahead and, and and take action and do it yeah um, but it's, it's it's pride man yeah yeah it's hard and i think yeah that's where i think thinking about it or waiting can be harmful because we we can justify back to that justification oh i don't need to do that or this or whatever right but it's it's hard but that's the i guess the next step where he talks about letting go and he does talk about forgiveness um, forgiving others and and healing through those wounds 70 times seven yeah yeah and steps to for, so the steps to forgiveness charging the defendant dropping the charges dismissing the case this is i mean everybody that reads this i think i, I highlighted like half of the words in yeah, this chapter you know, I'm sitting here looking and basically my uh ipad looks like a looks like a coloring book <laughs> yeah. i've literally got like some pages that are just purple and green and <laughs> I, I need to learn from you on how i should become a better highlighter <laughs> um and then you get on to chapter 13 and learning to walk again um, and I love this one in second Corinthians twelve ten. for when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. Um, man, and that, yeah, not having to be the strong man mm. because Christ is a strong man for us. And that way we can just be ourselves. Yeah. You, you know, as, as 
I'm walking through this with my wife and my family of, um, Anna Charles passing away, you know, there are days when there, we have some peace and that bothers me sometimes. Um, the fact that you have it or the fact yeah, because the, and then what will happen is something will happen like it did yesterday, looking at videos and photos and it'll smack us right back down to earth. And we, you know, overflowing, overwhelming of, of tears and the groans that you hear. And those are all real. Um, I, I'm okay with that because I feel closer to God when that happens. And I feel closer to Anna Charles mm -hmm. when that happens through those tears. And um, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. And, I think it would be so easy to do maybe, maybe not, I mean, it's my daughter, but to just not go through the grief, not go through the pain with God, instead run around it yeah, and avoid it and bring all these other things into your life. Um, so I, you know, I don't know, man, I, I totally love that. Yeah. What Paul is saying right there. Cause it's so true. I, I feel my, my, I feel when I'm at my weakest, God is at his strongest mm -hmm. and, um, I can feel his presence and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What a final words, final thoughts. No, this is a great book. Now I just feel like a loser, <laughs> Uh oh. but we're all winners <laughs> through the cross. I just, you know, um, what a great book. Andy's really smart. <laughs> um, he, he is, he is, and I, I love the last words in here. He just says, God is working to shape and form you from the inside out. And as you align your will with his, change will take place. Change that will prepare you for the inevitable storms of life. Change that will give you influence with those who are watching. Change that will reflect well on your heavenly father and change that will, will result in a life that speaks louder than words. Amen. Um, yeah. If we will choose to embrace that. Yep. Hard thing to do. Um, and yeah, life bites you. Yeah. But it's, it's future you future. I love what past me has done <laughs> to benefit future, to benefit present Absolutely. me <laughs> yeah and and just think man we're we're in the birth pains of of real life that's true yeah it's and that's similar. why you know romans eight twenty eight. everybody just talks about god's work they love to you know to say to to bring that scripture out you know god works in all things for the good of those who who love him who are called according to his purpose but that doesn't mean that everything's just going to become good i mean mm -hmm. really remember he's he's conforming us to to Christ, to the yeah, yeah. Looking to Christ, and and we may not see those things on this side of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may not be until the next. Yeah, um, and the character we carry it with us. Yeah, to the next. Yeah, and it's it's a process, and it, you know, it could hurt the the whole rest of the time. And and matter of fact, this life is going to hurt. Yeah, but in the in an eternal sense, it'll be. Yeah, every every moment of pain will. We're going to look far, back. Yeah, the dividends yeah. will be high. Do you remember being born? I don't remember. <laughs> um, I don't remember how, how awful that was. And that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Standing there in the new earth going, man, do you remember when? Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have all the benefits without the downsides. That's right.
Yeah. Man, this is fun. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. This was great. I've, um, I really enjoyed that. I need to go back and read this book again. All right. Sounds good. Well, all right. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Thank you.